Shalim, it's so good to see you today. Um, I really have loved, loved, loved um, our, our church split, our church transplant. I think that we got some of the most amazing treasures and gems at this campus. And so it brings me so much um, joy to be able to share the word with each of you today. Um, I actually have like a very interesting word to preach um, to kind of finish off the year of wisdom, okay? God's done a lot of imparting and teaching wisdom through a lot of different wisdom with, with time, with money, with work, with all that stuff. Um, many good words have gone out this year. And I want to kind of give a word of wisdom that I've been stewarding for like three, four years um, from the beginning of my time, my journey here back in Seoul with New Philadelphia Church in sonship and in submission to this house. Um, something that I feel like this year is when it all began to make sense. And that's what I want to share with you guys just from my heart today. And so to do that, I actually have a little visual aid. And so if I could have Bora and maybe Pastor Emily help her to bring it up. Um, I did not make this, but um, do you have the tape? Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. I did not make this by myself. Um, as Pastor Emily shared, we had a New Philadelphia staff retreat this, can we get it one more here? We had a, a New Philly staff retreat this past week, okay? So all the New Philly staff got together, we went out of Seoul for a little bit, and we went to this pension, and um, Pastor Marcus and Pastor Aaron led us in some really good activities to teach us different lessons and also to cast vision, to inspire creativity, all that stuff. They're very creative people. They're awesome. And one activity was what you see right here. This is the final product of that activity. And what happened was um, they gave us this little little square of paper with with like lines on it. And we were given this bigger piece of square paper. And then we had to replicate the little square onto this square, okay? And then they told us, make the lines exact, but add your own flavor and add creativity to your square, okay? So we're given a, a little square paper with just lines, and we know it's part of something else, but they said, add your own creativity, add your own flavor to that once you have the lines drawn. Everybody get the prompt clearly? So we didn't know what it would make. We were just given one little piece of the bigger whole, okay? So we had no idea this was the final product. I didn't, at least. I don't know if I wasn't just paying attention, but I didn't know what the final product was. And um, so I got my square, and my little square had one tiny line on it, okay? Um, this was my square, and... And you can't even see it. None of this was on the square, okay? This is just one line. That's my... So then I got my assignment, and I was like, you know, what is this? And then I was literally like, I felt really bad for myself because I was like, I have so much more to offer. Like, I brought my markers. <laughs> like, And like, this is just one line. Like, does this one line really matter that much? And like, Man, there's so much more I could bring to the table than this one line. I feel like it's such an insignificant part of this thing that we're making together, okay? But I shifted myself, 
And then I was like, no, this is important, and this is what's been given to me, so I'm going to do an excellent job with my line, okay? So then I was like, I, I like did the scaling really well, and I spent like more than half the time working on the scaling and the shade of my black line. Like I did this line first, this little line. I spent so much time, and I was like, I'm going to do it well. Like I'm going to do it really well. It's going to be the best line they've ever seen, okay? But then I had so much time left, and I was like, I did my job. So they said add creativity and your own flavor. (laughs) So I started, I was like, look at all this free space I have, okay? Look at all this freedom I have. And so then I just decided that I would draw my own self into this too. And then like, so this is a tree of life, okay? It's a tree of life with fruits and, and treasures birthed on the tree. And then this is a river of life, okay? And then this is My favorite part is the glory cloud, okay? So I kind of reasoned that, hey, like, this is probably the top. So, like, whatever we're building at New Philly, like, you need a tree of life. You need a tree of water. You need a water of life. And you need a a glory cloud, right? So this is what we need to build. (laughs) So this is Rona's creativity attitude. And and when I finished, I was so pleased with myself. (laughs) Like, I did a really good job. Like, I did it with excellence, and I added my own, like, what I think is important. Okay, I'm, a, I'm like, a visionary, so, like, I always, I'm, like, thinking, what can I add to whatever this So that I thought it was a very significant contribution. And then um, everyone brought their squares together, and then we taped it all up. And if you can kind of picture it, it's the New Philly logo. You guys see that? If you pull out your bulletin, it's on there. So you can compare it, maybe. But it's like, a okay, oh, it's right there. Okay, so the shield logo is what we built. And they just sectioned it off, and then they cut it out. They told us, this is your part, this is your part. And so there were many amazing lessons that we learned through this. Um, a couple squares I want to point out to you. Eunice Koh, who's at our, a sister at our Itaewon campus, had a very difficult square. It's this one right here, okay? And I don't know if you guys can all see it, but you can see it later. But basically, it's just really a lot of difficult lines. And she brought all these, like, arts and crafts and colors. And she was so excited to add her spunk and her creativity and her personality. But she had to spend all her time scaling it. And to her, it was like, this is such a horrible assignment. Like, I only have to focus on the technical specifics. I can't even add my own flavor. I hate this assignment. Okay? And if you guys know... Her job, it hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been easy for her to bring her personality and creativity into her job at all times. But that was her um, square. And Sole, um, who serves here at our Shilim campus, she drew this one. And what I love about this is so indicative of what I believe is part of Sole's personality. Is um, It shows the letters perfectly, but there is extra depth and layers to the letters, right, which is so much like Soleil, but then she also just erased certain lines that she didn't think were important. (laughs) But then you can still see it. It's fine, right? Everybody knows what it says. Okay, and then um, there are two squares in particular, though, that the creativity did not add to the overall design, but it took away slightly, okay? One of those squares... (laughs) belongs to your very own Rona. Like, I thought this is adding, but then when I looked at the bigger picture, I realized that my tree of life 
and river of life and glory cloud, they distracted from what we're going for. And there's one more um, right here. Um, there's towers or whatever, but there's this creepy man with a cape jumping here. And it says, run the race to win from your very own Pastor David on from the Hongdae campus. And um, so, you know, we followed directions, but it, it didn't work out completely well. One other, some other squares that are really good is this one from Pastor Marcus. You see that there's creativity. It's like the world continent and also fire, but it's within right? The logo and within the design. So it adds a little something. Pastor Emily's is right here. She also focused very much on the shading, on the scaling, on everything. But she, right here, you could tell it's like scribbles, right? She's like, I want to go crazy, but I'm going to stay within the lines. And then, and then she said, this is flesh, but this is a banner of love, you know? So she tried to add her own interpretation into the, the boundaries as well of the lines. But the point they're making Two points they're making was, one, sonship and submission to the leaders of this house, to the father of this house, and to Father God, ultimately. It is not about just black and white, stick to the rules, just do what you're told, okay? They said, add your own personality, your own uniqueness, your own gifting, your own flavor. So if it's just a blank square, a black and white lines. That's not the heart of the Father, and that's not what the leadership, that's not what Father God wants. But, okay, point number two is when it comes to sonship and submission, freedom and creativity must fit within the boundaries and constraints of the Father's heart. Not just the Father of this house, but also Father God, okay? Or else it takes away from rather than adds to the whole picture, okay? Do you guys see that? Creativity and and the freedom of expression are so important, and the job isn't really done according to the Father's heart if it's not there, but it must fit within the boundaries so that it adds to rather than takes away. Okay, those are the two lessons that they were trying to to communicate to us through this lesson, but to me, man, I was, God was really doing something in my heart through this activity in my own personal spiritual walk, okay? This square can tell you the story of Rona's past four years, okay? This square says a lot. And um, I felt like God was asking, Rona, why did you leverage all of your creativity and get excited only about what you could draw outside of the boundary lines of the assignment? (laughs) And you do nothing, you do nothing within this line, like within the whole picture, you didn't add anything, and you only leverage your creativity here. Why? And it's not like the directions were specific like that, but I felt like it was something God really used to speak to my heart. And um, and I, I just was like thinking about my personal story with sonship and submission and ministry the past four years, and I responded to God, you know, but Lord, this portion, this boundary is so small. Like, what can I do in that? It's like so small. I feel so constrained and so limited. Like, what can I do with that little piece? Look at all this free space. I can do so much with this. This is where I can be free to express myself, right? And um, <laughs> the little part's just no fun, God. And, you know, when I looked at the bigger picture, though, I realized that my glory cloud 
and my tree of life and the river of life, as important as they were to me and as much as they expressed what was on my heart and as powerful as those images are, they aren't that powerful compared to the grace, the revelation, the wisdom, the movement that this larger whole is entrusted to steward at this hour on the earth right? What Rona can do is great. Like I have a glory cloud. I have river of life. I have a tree of life. Okay. But this is one life and that's important. And I can accomplish somewhat of good things in 80 years, but what's happening in this community and in this movement is actually much greater than my own personal life. Right. And God wants us to leverage our creativity, our passions, our strengths, our gifting to add to a larger whole that is so much bigger than what we could do on our own. You know, I drew the bare minimum line. I did my assignment excellently, but that was it. I didn't add any life to it. I didn't ask Holy Spirit, the creativity, the life that's inside of me to do anything within that line, within the assignment, right? Um, And really, this picture is what Christianity, a lot of times, without constraints and boundary lines, can look like. That's another thing that God was speaking to me. Um, And what I want to talk about today is not just this new Philly staff activity, but I want us to get a deeper revelation of the Father's heart regarding boundaries, okay, regarding constraints and regarding true freedom. Um, You know, I believe that there is an innate desire inside of human beings to want to cross boundaries. And I don't have to look very far. I just have to look within my own heart. Uh, I grew up on a 400-acre farm in the middle of Arkansas and so much free space and land. And we only had a little bitty portion where our house and, like, our, like, cattle resided, right? But there's 400 acres. That's a lot of land. I don't know what other system the rest of the world uses, but in acres are, 400 acres is a lot of land. Most of it was uncleared, like, forested areas. There's snakes, um coyotes, bears all over my farm, okay? It was very dangerous. Like, my brother and I ran away a lot in fear from, like, vicious animals. And But when I saw a fence or a gate that kind of sectioned off our land from our neighbors or one part of our land that was cleared from another part of our land that wasn't cleared, that was more dangerous, when I saw fences and gates, I immediately thought, fences and gates are there for me to cross. Like, either... The fence is keeping me back in this boring place and, and like it's making me stuck here or it's keeping me from the most fun I will have in my life. So I thought, whenever I see a fence, I must cross it. Like it was ingrained in me that, that boundaries were bad, okay? And like adventure was always on the other side of the fence, okay? And that's just how I grew up, like outside with a bunch of my guy cousins playing and roaming around and... um. And I, I didn't realize that this, this carried over to every aspect of my life. And, um, you know, there's another example of a pastor, and he, he kind of illustrates this with a story where he, he had, like, his, little, his son had a birthday coming up. So he had his son invite all his best friends, like 20 kids. He had all these inflatable toys. He had a clown. He had cake. He had cotton candy, like, in the backyard – Everything a little kid could want to just run wild with fun and sugar high was provided, okay? Like, 
Everything you could want for your birthday party as like a seven-year-old kid was provided. And these kids had it made, all right? And this pastor told the story that he gathered all 20 of the kids and he got all of their attention and he said, you can do whatever you want. Have fun. Like, have all the cake and cupcakes you want. Like, this is all for you. Have fun. But he said, but look at me in the eyes. Look at me in the eyes. Look at me in the eyes. Do not spit in the garden. Do not spit in the garden. This garden, do not spit in the garden. And he made it very clear. You can do whatever you want. Just do not spit in the garden, okay? And then he went inside and he just watched them from the window because this was an experiment he was doing on his kids. And, <laughs> and he said that immediately after he went inside, every single kid spit in the garden. <laughs> Not once, but twice, including his own two children who knew about the experiment. Like they were in on it, okay? And, and he was just, he was using it as a teaching example that um, as soon as you introduce a boundary line or you give the knowledge of what is good and bad, the innate human sin within us will choose to cross the boundary line. Like if those little kids were never told, do not spit in the garden, do you think anyone would have even thought of that? Like they would have been like, bah, inflatable toys and like cotton candy and ah, and they, they would have just been like, who cares about the bushes in the garden, right? But the only reason they wanted to spit in the garden is because he told them not to. He set a boundary line and he said, don't cross this. That's the only thing they wanted to do after that. Do you guys see how humans are kind of wired? And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden, okay? God created this paradise, and he said, everything here is meant for you to enjoy fully. You can never lack anything because I provided everything you need, and you can be with me, I can be with you, and you got a wife, Adam, everything is great. You have fruit, you can play with the animals. It's wonderful here. Do not eat from this tree, okay? Do you guys know what the tree is called that they were told not to eat from? Knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from any other tree, but do not eat from this tree. So then what happens? The snake comes. uh, Eve is tempted. Adam and and Eve both take the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Do not cross this boundary. That's exactly what we want to do. And... Just like those little kids, there's infinite fun and glory that can be had. All they think is, man, there must be something withheld from me. Spitting in this garden must be infinitely more fun than everything I'm allowed to do. So I will spit in this garden, right? Do not eat from this tree only. Man, if it's this tree that's off limits, then this must be better than everything else that I can see and know right? When it comes down to it, it's all about trust in what the Father says is good, right? In trusting in what he's provided is the very, very best. Um, You see, we were never meant to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is good. This is good. This is bad. This is bad. This is a rule. This is a rule. This is a rule. God never made us to live like that. And the reason I believe, I believe because I'm sanctified and new, The reason I believe I want to cross boundaries is because I was never meant to live according to the rules of man, okay? 
We were never meant to be restricted by rules and regulations and have a relationship with God that is dictated on do's and do nots, right? Unfortunately, that's how a lot of Christianity comes to to be, but that's never what God intended. God intends that we eat from the tree of life, right? There is a reality that transcends just good and bad, good and evil, do, do not, do, do not. And God wants us to live in a reality that transcends that good and bad mentality, Okay, that is not a place of relationship and love and freedom. Okay, that's never what God wanted for us, but we chose to eat from that tree. Okay, by choosing to step outside of the boundary lines of life that the Father gave to us, we chose to be ruled by the knowledge of good and evil rather than live in the reality that transcends it. Okay. From the fall of man until now, the Father has continually been ushering us back into the reality of the kingdom of life and freedom rather than good and evil, okay? And one way, and the way that he chooses to do that is he chooses to continue to put boundary lines around us and to continue to put constraints and say remain in them, okay? And I want you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 16 with me. And then I want us to read all of it out together, the whole of chapter 16, and let's begin. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay? And I want us to focus on verses 5 and 6 that say, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Everyone say, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. In NIV, it says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And the first question that we have to ask ourselves daily is this. Is God my chosen portion and my cup? Is God my chosen portion and my cup? And I know that we all have powerful experiences with the Lord. And, you know, at leadership retreat, we're all getting blasted at the altar. Or during a worship song, Pastor John's up here and it's so powerful. And you connect to God's heart and feel his love. But what about in the morning when it's hard? 
What about in the morning whenever you got to go to a job you don't like? What about when all these mundane realities come? Is God your chosen portion and your cup? Is he? We have to ask ourselves that every single day. Because the moment our chosen portion, our hope, our contentment rests in another thing, Man, are we going to want to cross boundary lines. Man, are we going to get restless looking for something else outside of our vicinity to fulfill us, right? If we're unsure about what our chosen portion is, we're going to continually try to break free from the constraints and boundaries that God, not man, but God has set us in. Why do we do this, guys? And it's the same reason little kids spit in the garden. It's because we think that God is withholding from us. It's because we begin to think there is good apart from what God has given me, and I must go find that good, right? Many of us who did not have good fathers looking out for our best interests or have had our trust broken or we've been betrayed by people that we're supposed to trust the most, many of us have a hard time trusting that the father is good, because of those relationships. And so if we're struggling in an area where we feel constrained and we just, or if we feel the boundary lines are too restrictive, maybe God is, is using some of those constraints to bring greater healing that we need so that we can live in greater freedom, okay? That's like the story of my life, guys, so no shame, okay? If our chosen portion is not God, we will forever be wandering restlessly and aimlessly looking for our chosen portion. We are always going to think it's in the next job, the next country, the next relationship. We're going to break every constraint and boundary in order to get what we think our portion is. But all the while, God is saying, you're not going to find it in any of those things. Okay? When our chosen portion is God, then we get to freely enjoy and inherit everything. When our chosen portion is not God, we cannot freely enjoy anything, and we will inherit nothing. Okay? And so that's the first question. What it, who is my chosen portion? What is my chosen portion? And the second question we can ask ourselves is this. Why do we need these boundary lines that are mentioned? Why do we need boundaries at all? Why? Okay, I've asked this question many times. Um, <clears throat> the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I think we can look at an earthly father, at, an earthly, uh, at earthly parents to see why boundary lines are important, right? Can you imagine having like a four-year-old beautiful precious daughter and then you've got your backyard that's fenced in with perfectly green grass and your soft puppy dog, you know, that wouldn't hurt a fly. And then there's the highway or the wilderness, okay? Now... If we're all about, oh my gosh, like Christianity and free, it's all about freedom and running wild and running free, no constraints, no boundaries, you can do whatever you want, okay? That's like, that's like sending the little child out into the street or the wilderness. You can do whatever you want, roam free. I don't want to constrain you. Find who you really are. Like, let the world, like, you know, be your teacher. Like, you know, express yourself. It's all about freedom and expression, right? I think when I, when I first got saved, I was really like that. Like, I definitely would have joined some type of Christian hippie commune, lived communally, and like, you know, because that's what I thought it was all about. Love Jesus, love people, be free, okay? And then, and then like, but then you think about the implications of that, and that's not a loving father at all. A loving father cares so much about their precious child that they would put them within a safe boundary line, right? And so... The first thing a father will do is, one, to protect their child from danger. They will set up boundary lines and constraints. 
But it's also, and more importantly, boundary lines are, are given to bless the child with good things, okay? Christianity is not just abstaining from the bad, dangerous things, but it's so that there's a concentrated area of blessing that the Father can give. And a lot of times we miss that. And we're so busy looking at what's on the other side of the fence that we miss what the Father is wanting to give us in our portion, in our plot, right? More importantly, you have to think about what he wants to bless you in within the boundary lines of his grace. A father sets up boundary lines in order to fill the boundary with inheritance, with delightful, pleasant inheritance. And the Hebrew word used here in this passage for pleasant is nawim, which means earthly prosperity, spiritual delights, beauty, and a favored life. The father is saying, yeah, I set up constraints. I set up boundary lines, but it's so that I can give you every good thing within those boundary lines, okay? You were never meant, sons and daughters, to live within the strictness of good and evil, rules, do's and do nots, okay? Because within the boundaries that he has set, you can run completely free, okay? Inside the boundary lines is complete freedom. It's not a system of rules and do nots, do, do nots anymore, because he said everything in here is good. Do you guys follow what I'm trying to say? G.K. Chesterton wrote this quote, and it It's something that stuck with me for a really long time. It's one of my favorite quotes. And he said, The more I considered Christianity, the more I found that while it had established a rule and order, the chief aim of that order was to give room for the good things to run wild. Okay? Yeah, we set up boundary lines. But it's so that inside them, good things can run wild. I don't know about you guys, but I was meant to run wild, okay? I know that. I know myself. I was meant to run wild, okay? And God desires that too. He doesn't want us to be afraid of making mistakes all the time, of slipping up, of, of following the rules. Like that was never his heart for us then or now, okay? He wants us to be fully free, to transcend that good and evil, good and bad stuff. And I'm not, this, okay, if you take that quote out, you could say I'm trying to preach a very postmodern sermon. I'm not, okay? I'm talking about boundary lines, okay? Boundary lines. You know, I've come to find in the past four years that every single no that God has given to me was so that I could get a far greater yes in the future, okay? Every single no that God gives is so that he can give you a better yes, okay? I promise, I promise. He's not just up there like, what can I say no to, to my beloved children today, okay? He's not a father like that. He's loving and he's so good. Another point is that God does not set up You guys, just to envision this, imagine a plot of land that's sectioned off by a fence, okay? He doesn't set up our boundary lines on a land of lack, on a land of desert, on a land of wilderness. It says he sets up the boundary lines where? In Psalm 16. In pleasant places, okay? He has sectioned off a plot of land for us, and he says, remain here, and it's abundant land, okay? He says, this is the place I want you to stay, in a place of abundance, in a place where there's no lack, in a place where I can meet your needs, okay? You know, the need to continually break constraints is a dangerous thing. I want us to turn to Luke chapter 8 together. Luke chapter 8. 
Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 26. And I'll read this for us. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, they were... There met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you done to me? What have you to sorry? What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of this man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Okay, and I want us to pause there. There is this demonized man, okay? Demonized man who's been demonized for quite a while now, and the way that people would restrain him was they put chains, bonds on him, but he continually broke every constraint and chain, and he would flee to the desert, the wilderness, some area, right? He would break through the constraints and flee. And then Jesus comes on the scene. He delivers this man, right? That's kind of what happens. But if you kind of look at this, it's an interesting passage when we talk about boundaries and constraints, right? This man is hurting himself and hurting others, The most loving thing you can do for this man is not to let him run around and hurt himself more and hurt others more, but to constrain him until we can help him, until Savior comes on the scene and brings deliverance, right? Until something happens, we want to keep him safe. So maybe the constraints are tight on this man, but it's for his good. But what does he have to do? He breaks through every single constraint and flees into the wilderness and does more harm and damage to himself and to other people. Okay? This man was only harming himself even more by breaking through these constraints. By breaking through these constraints. Okay? They wanted to keep him near so that they could help him. This man saw anybody who wanted to constrain him as wicked and meaning to inflict harm on him, wanting to keep him from something good, right? The need to continually break every constraint and cause every boundary that's been placed on us is usually an area that God wants to bring healing to us in. There's been a trust that's been broken, um, probably. And the way that God brings healing, guys, in this specific incident, in this specific topic is by placing godly leaders over you who will place boundaries and constraints on you, okay? Why? Because usually the area that we've been hurt, God will bring healing through that very authority figure, through that very leader, through that very kind of person in our life, right? And if we will let our spiritual leaders place boundary lines, place restrictions, place constraints on us, we can view it as this man and think, oh, they're keeping me from something. What's on the other side of the fence? It's only to inflict harm, right? But we can, if we look with eyes of faith and see what this Psalm 16 passage is saying, it's saying, God is trying to say to us, no, I'm bringing healing to you. I'm bringing breakthrough to you. I want to fill your life with good things. That's why I'm placing restraints. A good father will place restraints constraints on his children, on his sons and daughters. And when we cross boundary lines, a good father 
what do they do? They discipline, right? If, if you cross a boundary line and it's not for your health or good, a bad father would say it doesn't matter, okay? But a good father disciplines when um, constraints are given, boundary lines are given, and we cross them, okay? I was um, a summer school teacher's aide when I was in high school, and my town is full of, like, white people only, and then, um, then a lot of illegal Mexican immigrants, okay? I'm just being honest. That's, like, the only demographic in my entire really small town in Arkansas. And, and um, this one summer, I was uh, assisting a teacher for summer school, and a lot of times in America, if a child is not ready to go to the next grade or they fail or they do really poorly in class, they are held back, or they take summer school and they try to get their grades up. So I was helping out with summer school, and this little Mexican boy, he was like seven or eight, he's so cute, so cute, I loved him to death, and um, he would come to class um, with like the same clothes on every day, with just like always hungry, looking for food from everybody else. And all the other kids, they just flocked around him because they're like, what did you do last night? Oh, I just watched TV all night. I played video games. I ate pizza. I just ate, you know, ice cream for dinner. Basically, guys, a lot of, a lot of the reasons, why, like most of the kids in the summer school just had very neglectful parents. It's not because they were like stupid or whatever. It's, it's only because of the care that they didn't have at home. And so this was exactly his case. He's such a bright boy I loved him so much but then like all these other kids were like man you have the best parents they don't make you do anything my parents make me do homework they make me like go to bed at 9 p.m they make me eat vegetables like they give me all these rules and then your parents don't make you do anything right we think, oh, man, those little kids are so silly. Of course, a good parent will give rules. Of course, a good parent will give boundary lines. Of course, a good parent will tell their children what to do and what not to do. But because we're 20 and 30 and 40 years old, we think we're a lot different from those children. But we're not, okay? A lot of times, we're like, oh, you go to a church where you could do whatever you want? Man, oh, you go to a church where there's no restrictions? Oh, man, membership is so hard. Why is everybody calling me? Like, we think, you know what I mean? We actually sound like five, six, seven-year-old children. We do. I do. We do, okay? And we think no boundaries equal loving father, when in fact boundaries and constraints mean that the Father actually loves us. And I'm not just talking about this house, but Father God, okay? So what does this mean to us personally, guys? And how can we apply this to our faith walks and to our own sonship in this house? And I want us to remember three keys um, as I wrap up. (laughs) All of my SNU staff and student leaders have been praying for me. I love you guys so much. Okay. Number one is to let go of control and be led. Okay. This means it's about getting uncomfortable. I had a dream once. I don't believe every dream is prophetic, but this one was in this season of my life. And I had a dream that I came up to this very altar and there was a man standing here. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't a marriage dream. This man was, he extended his hand to me and he said, will you dance with me? 
at this altar space. This sounds so corny, but it's not. Okay, it's really powerful it re- and revolutionized my life. And then, and then we started to dance, but it was awkward and so hard. And I was like, I hate every moment of this. This is so hard. I hate this dream, right? And I felt like this person was Jesus. And, and this dance was such a struggle and I was just resisting it. And I didn't know what move to make next. I, I was, I'm not a good dancer. I don't know what you're doing right now. I feel so uncomfortable dancing. And then I, I, I either in the dream or right when I woke up, I felt like I was saying, if you would just let go of control, it could be a lot better for you. Just let go of control. It doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't have to be so hard. In this dance, only one leader is allowed, okay? Two people can't dance and they're both leading it, okay? One person has to lead, and the other has to follow, and I think God was telling me, and then Linda and Brady both looked, up, looked at me that week, and they said, I see you dancing with God on a dance floor, and then I was like, shoot, I really need to pay attention to this dream, and it doesn't have to be so hard, but you got to give up control, okay? One of the greatest challenges for us is to give up the need to understand, We have to learn to actively, not just once a retreat season, once a semester, but actively every single day exalt God over our understanding, okay? I have to do that because I am a big thinker and I think myself into crazy things every single day exalting God over your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge or submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Not just in some of the ways, but in the most hard and sensitive issues of your life. Acknowledge and submit to him, okay? Finally, this year, God brought me to a place where I don't understand many things. And the Father is asking me to do them anyway. And I hear God asking me again, like he has the past four years, are you okay with doing this and not fully understanding? And for the first time, I can say I'm completely fine. Like, I can, I can do this, and I don't need to understand why or how or the details or the specifics. You don't need to let me know because I know that my chosen portion is you. So I know that whatever comes my way will eventually be good. It'll, it'll be good now or it'll be good in the future or it's for your glory. So what do I have to worry about? What do I have to think through? It's going to be good in the end, right? Pastor John always says, like, there's ultimate safety and security in God. You know, like Christians have so much safety and security. And I would look at him and be like, yeah, okay. And then, but then when, when Pastor John says something, like in the moment, I'm, I'm, I usually just posture myself like this because I know it's good. But in the moment, I'm like, okay. But then it haunts me and I leave and then I think about it later and later. And then I hear, one day I was freaking out about something and I hear, there's always safety and security. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. And then one day you just get it. Like, what, what can really happen that's so bad that you have to get worked up about? Like, there's safety and security knowing that we are within the boundary lines of his goodness. We don't need to understand it all right now. He said the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. God said that, and God does not lie ever, okay? So whatever comes our way, whatever good or bad it looks like right now, it's what the Father has allowed in. And he's in control then, right? 
Number two is embrace the square that you have right now. What square did you get? Embrace it, okay? What square did you get? Enjoy this process and this step you're on. You know, in a stairwell, it's like you seem like you're never going to get up there, but all you can see is the destination. And it's easy to think this step is insignificant. This step sucks. When I'm up there, I'll have more hope, more joy, more whatever. That destination is where I need to go. But God has created it to where our lives are continual step by step by step. And sometimes it doesn't just go vertically. It goes in weird ways like in the inception steps, right? Like it's just crazy steps everywhere. And you don't always see how it's going to get to the top or the vision or the dream or whatever. But you trust that God is the one leading you. So if you're going to wait until the very end to be at peace and have joy, you're going to wait a very long time. Like when Jesus comes back, that's going to be wonderful. But we don't really know when that's going to be. So are we going to Wait until then to give God thanks and praise and be at peace and claim his fullness of joy, right? Enjoy the step that you're on. Enjoy the part of the journey you're on right now. Um, You know, there's many moments where if we just take one square, we're like, man, it's nothing. It's just one line. It's insignificant. It's this precise, horrible, just black and white, boring part. There's no fun for me, right? You can look at your job your current income level, your relationship status. You can look at the assignment you're given. Oh, man, I don't want to serve on praise team, okay? I don't want to serve in this capacity in the house, but this is what's given to me, whatever it may be. And you could look at your square and think, this is it. And I'm just stuck with this, and I don't like it, okay? The end. And you could just have this attitude of just sadness and bitterness and despair or whatever. But you can't quit in that moment. That's just one square. It's just one piece of something much larger God is doing in your life. It's just one step in something much larger that God is doing in your life. Maybe your current circumstances aren't ideal, but it's not going to be like that forever. You know, one of my favorite biblical characters is Joseph. And we know the story of Joseph. He got this vision, this dream or whatever. His brothers threw him in a pit. Then they sold him into slavery. And then he goes to Egypt only to be imprisoned and framed for a crime, right? Then he's exalted as second in command. But what if he took the square of the pit and he said, forget the vision. Forget that encounter with God. Forget everything he spoke to me. This pit sucks. The boundary lines have not fallen for me in pleasant places. I'm sorry I said sucks from the altar. Okay, I said it twice now. Okay, this, like, this pit is horrible. Like, the boundary lines have fallen for me in no pleasant places. I don't like the square I've been given, right? What if he just gave up? I give up my spirit of joy. I give up my spirit of thanksgiving. I give up all faith and trust in the Lord's process because I'm in a pit right now, and it's not what the Lord has promised. I don't like this square, right? But we saw him continue to walk in faith. And when he was in the prison, another really unfortunate square, right? But Joseph, the the vision completion, God's boundary lines of goodness, it wasn't just when Joseph was exalted as second in command. That's not the only boundary lines of God's goodness. But it was the entire process. It was the pit. It was the prison. It was the slavery. It was growing up in his father's house. And it was also being second in command to Pharaoh. The whole thing was, in, was within the boundary lines of God's goodness. 
okay? God didn't just say, oh, when things are good. No, God allowed all that to happen to Joseph. When things are hard and it doesn't make sense and we don't understand and we don't have the answers, it's not that moment we give up. But we, in that moment, say, God, I trust you. I embrace this square. I embrace this step. And I believe that you are in control. I believe that you're taking us somewhere. And number three, it's about leveraging our strengths and giftings for kingdom effectiveness. Not restless wandering. Um, You know... You shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Okay? This punishment, guys, of being cast from the Lord's presence, of being a wanderer of the earth, of freedom from all constraints, all boundaries, a lot of times we think that's what we want. No rules, no regulations, do whatever you want, wanderer of the earth, freedom, right? That was a punishment, and Cain said, it's more than I can bear, God. Give me boundaries, God. Give me boundaries within your presence, God. This punishment of being a wanderer of the earth from far from your presence is more than I can bear. This is a picture of what complete freedom from constraint looks like. It's a picture of what no boundaries looks like. Because we are not mindless robots or zombies, we have free will, and God will always let us make decisions to stay within boundaries or to cross them. He can't force us to stay within boundary lines, okay? He sets them up, and he always lets us choose. But even if he has set up boundary lines and we cross them, God will give us grace to pull us back in, but it's not what we want to do, okay, guys? Cain may have thought, I want to be free, I want to be unhindered, I want to do what I want, but he eventually got what he wanted. He became a restless wanderer, continually putting his hand to work the ground and producing no fruit. And I used to think this is exactly the kind of Christian life I wanted as well, um, and that the constraints and boundaries I saw were all tying me down or hindering me. But now I see that God, through sonship, wanted something far better for me. And it's what he wants for all of his sons and daughters. He wants to give us an inheritance instead of unfruitfulness, like Cain, right? He wants to give us vision instead of aimless wandering all of our days. He wants to give us a family to do it with instead of isolation by ourselves, wandering the earth. And the Father chooses to do all of this through boundaries and constraints. God desires each of us to live meaningful, precise, and powerful lives, to leverage what's inside of us for not only ourselves, but for the lives that we were meant to impact. So my question to all of us is, will we allow ourselves to be constrained and restrained by the boundaries of the Lord? And this is very practical, guys. 
Like if your CG or familiar leader places a constraint or boundary line, what is your reaction to that? What is your immediate reaction? It's something that we have to continually think about. And why are we reacting in that way? Do you question and criticize and think they're out to get you, or do you see it as love to help you and to propel you forward? Lastly, how are you leveraging your strengths and talents and giftings within the boundary lines of serving this community? I really want to make a challenge to each of us at New Philly Shilim to serve this house. And I think many of us are serving in different capacities. But really, guys, this is our house and our community. And Jay, Pastors Jam and Sky are the lead pastors, and they're doing this. They casted a big vision, right? And they may give us things to do, but they don't want just black and white. They don't want us to just do what we're told and shut off our personalities and our giftings and our talents and our strengths. They want us to bring ourselves because the church is made of living stones. They want us to bring color, right, to fulfill the vision of what they've casted here. We can't really fulfill all that God's called us to and set us up for at New Philly Shilim unless we all bring our square with ourselves in it, okay? Not just doing our own thing, but within the boundary lines, okay? This is not just about fulfilling your significant part within the story of New Philly, within the vision of New Philly, but it includes that. And it's not just about you fulfilling the vision within the Korean Peninsula, but it includes that. And it's not just about you fulfilling your part, your square in the nations, but it includes that. This is about you and your square in this ginormous story of eternity, of history that God has been writing. We have a mere 80 years, guys. And the Lord has brought us all here to make our square as meaningful, as impactful as possible within that 80 years. In his masterful story, you've got one line. In his masterful painting, you've got one brushstroke. And God sets boundary lines so we're not just aimlessly wandering around doing whatever all the days of our life, but so that we can be effective for the the greater picture, the greater kingdom purpose that he's created us and destined us for, right? It takes faith, obedience, tenacity, and more than anything, unwavering commitment and resolve to stick it through and stay within the boundary lines of God's grace, okay? The boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places, and you have a delightful inheritance. I'm going to close us in prayer.